right, everybody, welcome to another installment of Innovation Crush. It is me, Chris Denson, your gracious host, and uh, I just learned from our guest that I have a, a great microphone. Um, it is not a compliment to me, but more to the equipment. So um, say hello, Alexis Ohanian. Hello. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Doing very well. Very uh, well. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, thank you for, thank you for the compliment on the, on the microphone. I, I appreciate that. You know, audio, it goes a long way <laughs> and, uh, and having the right equipment, uh, and makes a difference. Yeah, that is, that is very true. Um, so I guess for starters, for those who somehow may not know, let's get the, a little bit of like the 92nd, you know, one oh one version of who, uh, Alexis Ohanian is. Ooh. All right, Chris, the, um, the 92nd version. All right, so I'm the co-founder, probably best known as the co-founder of Reddit. Um, that is a, a company I started right out of college with my buddy, Steve Huffman. And uh, we ended up selling it to Condé Nast, but now it's independent again. I rejoined uh, Reddit alongside Steve about a year ago. And very happy to be back. Uh, the site's getting about 230, a little over 230 million monthly active users. It's like number nine in the US, um, according to Alexa. And it's pretty amazing because it just started as a college project. Um, but in the interim, after selling and leaving Reddit, between coming back, between then and coming back, I wrote a, wrote a book without their permission, um, got into a bunch of investing in over maybe 150 early stage tech companies. Uh, some of them you've probably heard of, Instacart, uh, Zenefits, Coinbase, Cruise. And, uh, and just generally trying to be an activist and supporter of the open internet and entrepreneurship in general. What so, does, what does being, uh, an activist in the open internet look like? What does that, what does that mean? Well, uh, back in 2010, no, 2011 ish, somewhere around there, uh, there were these two really bad bills that were going to pass through the house and Senate called SOPA and PIPA respectively. And I and a bunch of a bunch of great people worked to get them stopped. Um, that was a it was a great triumph of the open internet um, because a bunch of a bunch of disparate people all over the country were able to stop two pieces of legislation that would have really damaged the the internet and uh, and at least when we started were considered to be inevitable. And through a lot of great grassroots work, they went from being inevitable to being unthinkable. And, uh, and similarly got involved with the fight for net neutrality and getting Title II passed um, by the FCC. So I, I like to say the internet always has my axe and I would like to be as vibrant and open a place as possible, mostly because I just want better stuff on it. Right. And the only way you're gonna get entrepreneurs and creatives and, and just amazing people creating new stuff is if they really believe it's a level playing field and if the best things really can win. And so uh, if the internet ever needs me, they just shine the, uh, the cat signal and I'm happy to, to help out. I, I get it. Cat signal. Um, that's, that's cool. And what, you know, kind of fast forwarding, I have, I have two trains of thought. Hey, it's, it's interesting that, you know, people can rally and cause a change in Congress around internet uh, issues. But, you know, when it comes to like gun violence, <laughs> mm. it's, it's an interesting, like, I, I wonder what the difference is, right? Uh, you know, are people too passionate about like keeping their arms or do you, I don't even know if you have a perspective mm. on that, but it just kind of drove me to that place. Yeah, um, I think it's a few things. <clears throat> One, it is it is always going to be easier to stop something than to create something. So it's always going to be easier to stop two bad bills 
than to pass a bill that's good for the internet or say good for you know uh, to to make changes to gun control. Um, similarly, it's it's a lot easier for people to say no to things, right? It's a very clear, like, no, we don't want any more gun control bill or anything related to gun control uh, than it is to get something accomplished, uh, which is a little a little disappointing if you're, certainly if you're trying to get something accomplished. Um, the one area where with the open internet we did succeed was with Title II, and that was a little different because it wasn't, it was something the FCC decided, and ultimately we just needed to influence a few people, very specific people there. It wasn't like having to influence a majority of the House or the Senate. Um, so we've made victories there in getting things passed, um, but there hasn't been, I can't really point to something in particular that the, the open internet folks have been able to push um, on a legislative level aside from just stopping bad things. And, uh, and we haven't even been perfect at that. Uh, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, obviously, is one example of something that just has continued uh, to gain traction. But to, go, to the gun control thing, um, it's certainly not within my wheelhouse of expertise. Uh, but the there was actually a recent John Oliver, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, talking about this issue. And, uh, and he did a pretty good job distilling it to that that basic reality of one, it's just easier if all you're doing is saying no to any type of legislation. Very true. And then two, when you have a really, really dedicated um, group of people, even if it's a few thousand, um, the NRA has been really, really, really effective at mobilizing them to show up. And you know, this date, this time, here's the discussion, just be there. And and then be there and then everyone be on message, which is no, uh, there's no nuance. There's no there's no need for for anything other than just showing up and saying no. And that is always going to be easier than trying to win the day with bringing some legislation forward and having to talk and nuance or explain a thing. Um, but that said, as someone who at least personally would like to see uh, a new approach to you know, our gun laws. Um, I think the internet is going to be a really important tool there. Um, it has been already, we've seen it, uh, but it's always going to come down to people. Um, it is still just a tool at the end of the day. And it comes down to people actually doing the things they need to do, which is making phone calls or in, in the most extreme cases, just actually showing up and being there and being present. And, uh, and so I, it's not this panacea, but it really does. It really does help mobilize. No, that's fantastic. Um, so you, as I like to put it, you recently returned to your ex girlfriend. Um, <laughs> you, you broke up, left, went and saw some other, you know, about one hundred and fifty other uh, ladies, and, yeah, then, well, <laughs> and then came back. What, like, what, what brought you back? Like, what was the, what was the kind of the prodigal son, you know, draw to this? I'll call it a new evolution, um, and we can get into a little bit of like what's going to change. But sure. you know, what, what brought you back? It was an opportunity, it was a once in a lifetime opportunity to come back to something that I had helped start alongside the guy who I started it with. And it is very rare for founders to be able to get their company back after they sell it. And, and on top of that, to get it back and, and have it be even bigger uh, than it was when they, when they sold it. Um, oftentimes, you know, th this story is a pretty rare one in general, but when it does happen, oftentimes it's founders who are coming back to a product that is a fraction of the size it used to be or a fraction of the influence. And it's a chance to hopefully maybe resurrect it. Um, we re-inherited Reddit 
after year after year after year of actually consistent growth, in spite of the fact that like the product hadn't really evolved, the company was still maybe 75 people, so remarkably small given the size and, and tasks at hand. And, um, and it was a chance for us to basically say, all right, look, we, we have a lot of work to do. There's a lot of low-hanging fruit here that we can improve upon, but this thing just continues to grow. We don't even understand why because we didn't even have the data infrastructure in place. Right. To know why. Um, but we know it keeps growing almost in spite of itself. So that was, that was the opportunity. And, and to see, you know, that's been the story with all the folks that we've brought in here as a part of the recruiting. And, and, you know, we're very clear in our conviction on this. Like we know the potential of this because it's done so well in spite of itself. And if we do things like ship a native mobile app, <laughs> which we finally did. Congratulations. You know, I, I actually, you know, it's funny. I actually like the app, you know, and, and yes. I, I am not a Reddit super user. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and was it, what would you say? Not yet. Oh yeah. Not, not yet. Not yet. That's what I'm going to say. I'm a, I'm a super user of the app though, if that counts. Um, right. But you know, I think there's definitely like a culture that reddit speaks to um and and there are outsiders that i've spoken to who are like i kind of don't get reddit right (laughs) like but you're saying it's 230 million strong what is it about reddit that works you know that that some people may not quite understand when they first encounter it uh you know to be be perfectly frank a lot of it just has to do with the aesthetics of it um and that's that's our fault uh we have (laughs) i mean i designed it so you can blame me for that oh now we know Uh, your superpower hmm. I mean, well, if you look at if you look at Facebook in 05, it was similarly unattractive. It's just the difference is Facebook evolved and we didn't really. Um, And mobile was a good chance for us to finally start doing that. Like it's a beautiful, modern, super fast app. And and I think that's going to help get us over the hump with a lot of people. You know, the, the, the 230 million total is worldwide, but it's about 120 in the U.S., which comes out to about a third of the U.S. So. I know it feels very underground in spite of the fact that one out of three people you see walking down the street will use Reddit this month. And I think the reason for that disconnect, which is crazy, right? That's, that's two times as many people as use Twitter in the U.S. every month. So, so why is that the case? I think it's just because um, there's a mental barrier for new users to the site who just drop in and see a wall of text. It's pretty ugly. Um, they don't necessarily get to see um, content that they're interested in because we we make it not intentionally, but we make it very hard to find communities, uh, let alone subscribe to them. Which is it's this bizarre thing that we are we're very very deeply invested in solving right now. Which is that you know today there's a there's a community on Reddit for any interest for whatever your favorite sports team to your favorite hobby. And it's non obvious to most people who visit the site that that even exists. Uh, and so, you know, mobile is a great way for us to kind of leapfrog to new users. We're working on a new user experience um, so that when you first create an account, you'll have a chance to actually be prompted with like, hey, what are you into? Um, you know, you into knitting? Cool. Here's the knitting subreddit. Subscribe. Um, and doing that kind of first time user just experience that we've never had on the product before. You know, if you think about any other social platform that you sign up for, there's an onboarding. You get introduced to how the thing works. Right. And for 11 years, we've never done that. And I think a lot of people's perceptions are based on that fact that we just we just dropped the ball on that new user experience for so long. 
and didn't improve the product in ways that would expose all those. But I would, I would imagine with a third of America using the platform, right? Um, that what, and everybody is, you know, one of my favorite quotes is that it's not that people don't like change. They don't like transition, right? Mm. You know, mm. Twitter yeah. introduces like changes a star to a heart and like people go batch it over it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you've got a very, you know, intimate user base like how are you approaching change on the platform and being sensitive to those people who are like i like it just the way it is what are you doing so so that's a that's a fair statement i think we as just as humans don't don't like sudden uh don't like sudden change um the good news is we have so many new media that we've just never like we literally did not have a native mobile app called reddit on android and ios we do now and because there was no precedent the good news is there is no precedent. And so we can ship a native app that looks beautiful. It doesn't look like Reddit, but it has all of Reddit's great content. And there's no blowback because there were no expectations. Um, mobile web is another place where we've been able to modernize the interface. And, and users have been really happy because the people who are experiencing it aren't the ones who have been used to looking at the desktop for the last 11 years. Now, desktop is probably gonna be the last frontier of, of places we choose to change, um, but we're gonna do so in a really thoughtful way. We're certainly not gonna screw with any of the functionality of the site. That's, you know, that's sort of the classic dig mistake. Um, but when it comes to improving UX, you know, I think a lot of the reason, uh, the, the core reason people love Reddit from a UX standpoint is because we've always prioritized content. Um, we've never, you know, we've never thrown uh, a giant ad on the front page to get in your way in right. between you and the content. Um, we've never done things from a design standpoint just for the sake of looking pretty. Um, it, we, we knew the reason people came to the site every day was, was the content. It wasn't because they saw a rounded corner or a beautiful gradient. And as long as you're making decisions through that lens, and that one of our values is to remember the human and as long as we're making design decisions for the sake of user experience, I think we're going to be okay. And, you know, so far with everything we've seen in the success of native mobile, as well as mobile web, which have very, very different user experiences, sure. um, we're pretty confident that it's going to just continue. So you mentioned the cat symbol earlier, and I started yes. to think about superheroes and every community has a set of them. Um, your, I'm curious as to how or if your heritage kind of plays a role into how people see you. I mean, people love Reddit. They love you. You know, you are kind of like a hero amongst the, the you know, the interneters, I'll call them, but also mm-hmm. just, you know, um, uh, I'll say ethnically. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, does that come into play in your day to day? And if so, how? Wow. I, you know, Forbes once wrote a very generous headline about me uh, as the mayor of the internet. And that has been, it has come up enough times, um, sometimes with love and sometimes very sarcastically. Um, but it's something I'm, I'm grateful for. I mean, certainly I think the, I, you know, at the end of the day, I know how valuable this technology has been for me personally, as well as professionally. And I want it to be that valuable for as many people as possible. Like, I don't want it to get screwed up because I want my kids and my grandkids to, to benefit from it. I want them to do even better standing on the shoulders of giants, just like I did. And uh, I also benefit, uh, I think, quite a bit from the whole Armenian thing because it is, I mean, it's, it's right on my last name. 
so it's a pretty obvious thing. Um, but it's also something that was very much ingrained into me since I was a little kid about just, just frankly, the opportunities that I have thanks to the sacrifices of my family before me. And it really has instilled this appreciation and a responsibility, frankly, uh, to sort of leave, leave things better than I found it. Um, and to not squander the opportunity. And so I've, you know, when I left Reddit in 2010, it was so that I could volunteer. I'd never been to Armenia at that point. It was so that I could go volunteer there uh, with an organization called Kiva for about four months. Awesome. And I was, I was helping entrepreneurs. I was doing microfinance work and, and helping entrepreneurs basically get loans in an environment where they would never have been able to get loans otherwise, because there's just no, no banks going to lend to you as an entrepreneur in Armenia. Um, but here was an opportunity to help someone or a few people who were sort of genetic cousins of mine, right? These are all my cousins right. and, and, and who probably had in the black community, we call that your, your play cousin, my play cousin, my play cousins. <laughs> and to have that, to have that opportunity was so incredibly fulfilling because I knew that it was through a genetic lottery that I was born in Brooklyn and not in Yerevan. And I, I'd like to believe that I would have been just as entrepreneurial and had just as much drive, um, but maybe not had the same opportunity uh, just because, you know, where I was born. And that means a lot because I am very, very, I grew up very, very aware of that, of that privilege and that opportunity. And, you know, in this, the last four or five trips now back to Armenia, I've watched amazing progress. And what's so cool is a lot of it is rooted in technology. Um, these amazing, there's, there's a center there called the TUMO Center, which allows any child, any kid, you just have to sign up and, and be willing to commit to it, um, access to world-class computer facilities and courses. Um, and I toured it. I toured it when it was under construction. I toured it when it was complete a couple years later. And, and it's, it's world-class. It really is. It could be sitting here in the heart of Silicon Valley, except any kid in Yerevan or in the country really uh, can get a chance to go there, get that education, get that hands-on experience building and making using technology in the web. And you know, it didn't at that, that that's, it, it's been amazing to watch that even from where I sit back in the States. Um, but it continues to remind me of all the work that needs to get done and, and just it continues to hit home for me how much more work we have uh, and you know, if I can help, I'm, I'm always happy to, and I've been really fortunate because the, certainly the Armenian American community and to a certain extent, the community back in Hayastan, uh, in Armenia has been incredibly supportive of the work that I do. Um, even if it's just like the work that I do, not the, not the work helping the cause. Um, and I'm grateful for it. I think, uh, you know, Kim is obviously the most famous but uh, I want to give right. her. I want to give her a run for her money. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I th you're the most impactful, though. That's a, it's a, I mean, um, it. Though, when she she came, so she was actually in Armenia. Uh, there was the hundred year anniversary of the genocide last year, and she visited with Kanye about a week before I got there. And it was so amazing to see how many, almost every single person I met made sure to tell me that Kim and Kanye visited. Like it was <laughs> such a big deal. I, right. I, people would just be like, Hey, what's up? And I'd be like, all right, we're going to talk about Reddit now. And the first question out their mouth would be, did you know that Kim and Kanye came here? Like I saw, <laughs> like, like they just, they didn't, they didn't care. Uh, forget the Reddit guy. Like 
Kim and Kanye were here. Like, did you see the, did you see the performance that Kanye did? Like I was there, I was there, I saw it. And, and it just, it, uh, it made a difference for, for a tiny little country that not many people think about, um, to have them, to have them come. No, know? that's fantastic. I, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's kind of full circle moment. Um, last week I interviewed Julie Hanna, you know, the, the, the of course. founder of Kiva. So, um, and, and not, not even just today, like kind of not realizing how much on the ground work happens behind Kiva, you know, kind of like, and I called her uh, and a nod to uh, Game of Thrones. I called her the mother of dragons. I was like, you like, <laughs> like Kiva was the first crowdfunding platform. And then I had to educate her on who Daenerys uh, Stormborn was, but She's not into, not into Game of Thrones. No, she, she said it was too bloody. But then, but then afterwards she was asking me like, what was that character you told me about? So I sent her a bunch of like Wikipedia links. She was like, I like it. So, um, so shout out to, to Julie. Julie, two, two more things before you go. Um, you, I mean, having looked at 150 companies at the very least and, you know, been involved in them and, and, and somehow, um, and having traveled the world and, uh, the, the plethora of content that's available on Reddit, um, the show is called innovation crush. I'm curious as to what your current innovation crush is. Like, what is something you see in the world? You're like, Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And I wish I could be a part of it. Ooh, I mean, I'd like to think if I saw it and it was amazing, I, I'd get to be a part of it. Uh, I'd, I'd like I'd, those are the companies I want to write checks for. And that's it. <laughs> uh, it doesn't always happen though, for sure. Yeah. I think, um. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm biased because on the one hand, I'm still I'm really hyped about what we can do at Reddit, and I think there's still so much more so much more potential. Um, but for my non-biased answer, um, you know, I've been really really intrigued by how much this shift. Um, you know, now that mobile is pretty much ubiquitous, um, you know, we heard for a really long time, like mobile's a future, mobile's a future. And now we're at this point where I think everyone's kind of jaded about mobile and they're looking for some transformative new platform. So like VR is a good example. This everyone's hype now about VR. VR is coming. VR is coming. It's going to be everything. And I actually think this is the time to be really... Uh, I'm, I'm actually not that hot for VR. I think it's going to be amazing. I'm with it's, you. I'm totally with you on that. I'm, I'm the exact not, same way. Not there yet. Um, I think, I think we're still talking Apple Newton and not iPhone. And, and now I think is actually the time for apps and for mobile to really shine because kind of like the way the web was in Oh three, Oh four, this is right, right. Whereas Facebook was getting started and, you know, Reddit launched in Oh five, um, just before that time, in, investors were still really, they were really cool about the web. They really, you know, they got burned in the first bubble and, and everyone kind of thought like, well, it's been done. You know, what's the next thing? Mobile's going to come. Don't worry. Mobile's the next thing. And we waited for years. Then we got the iPhone. Then we got the app store. Then we got market share and critical mass. And, and now we're seeing this stuff. I'm, but you know, that was the time when everyone was looking ahead to mobile that was the time when actually some of the most amazing web platforms were being built and created. And I feel like we're at that point right now for mobile where everyone's kind of jaded about mobile and everyone's looking ahead to VR. This is the time when I'm thinking, okay, what is now that we take for granted that everyone has a computer on them 24 seven that's connected. Um, what are the really cool things that we're not even thinking about that people are going to do on it? And I'm talking beyond social because there's going to be a new, there's going to be a new Snapchat next year and everyone's going to talk about it. Forget the consumer sort of social stuff because that's right. that's cool and it's transformative and it's you know it's sexy. 
but they're one in a, they're one in a billion. Um, what are the things, the kind of like really unsexy file cabinet industries that are getting changed right now are going to get changed right now because you just, you, everyone's got one of these on them. And I think there are a ton of, there are a ton of opportunities, um, especially here when you consider in the States, we only use this thing for a fraction of its potential, right? There are, you sort of take for granted in, um, uh, oh, like, like in Kenya, that like this is, I'm holding my smartphone right now, flailing with it. Like this is the way stuff gets paid for. Like, um, and, and in fact, I mean, China is a great example too, where like you just take for granted that yes, people transfer money using this thing all the time. And it's just, it just happens. And it's like, yeah, here's some money. And in the States, you know, we've got apps to do it, but it's still not a very well integrated part of our lives. And yet it's so fundamental. And I just can't help but feel like there's still so much, so much opportunity left on the table for mobile, for smartphones that we're not taking advantage of. And that's, that's what I have the crush on because it's so not sexy right now because yeah. everyone, this is the, this is the kid that everyone's overlooking right now because everyone feels like they know this kid's potential. Um, and they've kind of taken it for granted, but I, I think this is the, this is where we should be. We should be getting hyped. You're crushing on opportunity. Which, yeah. is, which is cool and kind of like that side door approach of like oh you j- just when you thought this was over like, here comes a, a reinvention of it which you know is is kind of to your point earlier about like watching companies transform over the course of years and they have their ups and downs and you have to reinvent in order to, to stay relevant so um so kudos for for that thinking um last but not least Mm-hmm. All right, you ready? Breathe this all Bring in. It. Take a deep breath. You know what I mean. Uh, rub your beard. Um, right. Right, <laughs> uh, com- right. Complete this phrase for me. Okay. Uh, innovation to me is everything. Ah. Is that helpful? Yeah. It is. I I think of. I mean, I gosh, there's you know in this industry. Uh, you can you can win buzzword bingo if you if you put your uh, if you put your chips on innovation. Everyone speaks it. Everyone's about it. Um, but it's not a tech. It's not unique to tech. And I get really hopeful because I see the power of technology to help us make progress in so many different ways. And I am. Like I'm the kind of guy who believes that like entrepreneur is just a word for like having ideas and doing them. It's not just the domain of like the Zuckerbergs. It's a chance to have a way you want the world to be and get it there. And technology is a great facilitator, not just for starting billion dollar companies, but for just getting progress. And that's, that is the mentality that I see, especially in this generation coming up, but would like to see more broadly. Um, there is this, I think, especially now we've seen a lot of voices trying to bring us back to a different time, a time of the past. And, you know, you wouldn't hear too many successful, there would not, you would not be a very successful entrepreneur if all you talked about was trying to make things the way they used to be, um, in business, because you probably, (laughs) uh, you're probably not going to have a good time. (laughs) And, and it's, it's that it's that spirit of innovation and wanting to push forward because we know we are living in an imperfect world and the way we actually get forward is through progress and creativity. And 
And that's and, and the thing we don't yet fully understand, but are pushing toward. And that's that's why I want it to be everything. And and for me, it has never been a better time if you have that mindset, um, because this is I mean, that's what that's that's why I'm so adamant and so passionate about what the open Internet can do, um, because it is a great equalizer. It's not perfect. Um, but it's an incredible equalizer in terms of getting ideas out in the world. And I want, I want the ideas of progress and innovation to be the ones that win. And I think, I think the equalizer was a great movie. <laughs> I have not. Wait, I don't think I've seen that movie. <laughs> oh, Denzel Washington, man. Come on. Equal. Um, well, the remake, there was, you know, it was a TV show in the eighties, but anyway, uh, uh, <laughs> yes. Okay. So watch Look, I know you got to go, man. So thank you so much for uh, joining us. Where can people find you? Where should they go to dig in a little? Not, or I don't want to use dig. I don't want to use any of your competitor oh, platforms. Okay. Where can they stumble upon uh, Reddit or you? <laughs> <laughs> um, the best way, I guess I use a lot of Snapchat nowadays. Just my name, A-L-E-X-I-S-O-H-A-N-I-A-N. Say hi. Um, or Reddit. My username is K-N-0-T-H-I-N-G because when we started that, I wasn't thinking about my personal brand. I was just thinking about the gamer tag that I've been using since high school. Nice. So. All right. Well, everyone, thank you so much. This has been another installment of Innovation Crush, and we will talk to you next time. D-D-D-D. So, thank you, Chris. Yeah, man. Thank you. This is great. <laughs> <laughs>